Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, beloved, welcome to another chapter of the Book of Sean, people. It's good to see you. How y'all doing? So listen. I'm recovering from food poisoning. <laughs> so if I seem a little off today, it's because I'm recovering from food poisoning. It's been quite a 48 hours for me. Are y'all praying for me? I need all the prayers. You know, you know, you know we talk about the praying saints. Y'all have a prayer meeting for me right now. Just hold hands virtually and start praying for Dr. Sean. Because, whoo, your boy's been through it. But I could not not show up today because I knew you would be here and so here we are. I got a great show for you tonight. My brother Derek is here. I can't wait to talk to him, okay? Because he has an interesting story about finding love. Love is never easy to find people. I don't care who you are. I don't care what kind of love you are. I don't care who you love. It's not easy to find, okay? You could be gay, straight, trans, cis. I don't care what you are. Rich, poor, black, white, Asian, polka dot. Love is hard to find. Love, love will make you feel like you got food poisoning. <laughs> I'm going to be referring to food poisoning all night, just so you know. It's going to come up in everything I do tonight. But I can't wait to talk to him because he's had a very interesting journey with it. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping tonight to inspire him, to encourage him, but also to get him to think about a few things, okay? Because that's part of what I do. I try to get people to think about some things differently. But I can already tell he's, he's a good man, good brother. I'm looking forward to his journey. I'm looking forward to doing some Ask Dr. Sean. And I'm always looking forward to doing headlines, people. So how about we get into it? Hiley's back. Play the bumper, Hiley. Yes. All the sick people came back, and then I got sick, you know? Steve-O's back. He was sick. Nicole's back. Hiley's back. And then it, it made me sick. I don't have what they had, though, okay? All right. Anyway, let's talk about Clarence Thomas. And I'll try not to get angry, and I'll try not to cuss. You already heard that the Supreme Court has overturned Roe versus Wade. That's been all over the news. But Clarence Thomas filed a concurring decision uh, with the uh, ruling decision on that. And in that concurring decision, he signaled that he would like people to the Supreme Court one day to overrule contraception and gay marriage. Well, thank you, Clarence. You know? Thank you, Clarence Tom. When when you when you filled the seat of Thurgood Marshall, that's what all, that's what we were expecting for you to do stupid stuff like this. And in his concurring decision, Clarence Thomas, he's inviting uh, lawyers all over the country to find a case that they can ultimately bring to the court that will ultimately overturn contraception and gay marriage. It, 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 you you can't make this stuff up. So what's funny about this, though, you listening? What's funny about this is that the, the same basis that the Supreme Court used to say that there is no constitutional right to an abortion, 
is also the basis that the court used to approve contraception, to approve gay marriage, and, wait for it, to legalize and approve interracial marriage. Did you hear what I just said? Except that in Clarence Thomas's concurring decision, he didn't mention interracial marriage. You got any guess why he didn't mention interracial marriage? He ain't got no problem with the court overturning abortion. Get rid of that. He ain't got no problem with the court overturning contraception. Get rid of that. Oh, gay marriage? Boo. Boo. Get rid of that. But the same legal basis that the court approved all those other things he's against is the same legal basis the court approved interracial marriage. Except Clarence don't want to touch that because, wait for it, Clarence Thomas is in an interracial marriage. Yeah, Clarence likes white women. I ain't got no problem with it. <laughs> I'm just saying, Clarence, be consistent. If you're going to use a legal basis to get rid of those other things, why don't you want to use a legal basis to get rid of interracial marriage, except that interracial marriage benefits you? And of course we can't do things that, you know, that hurt what we benefit from. Hmm? Can I just say it the way I feel it? If you, feel, if, if you feel what I feel, just shake your head like this. Clarence Thomas is a disgrace. He is a first-class step-and-fetch-it. Huh? I said it. He's a first-class step-and-fetch-it. And the only thing worse than a white racist is a black person acting on behalf of a white racist. And that's what Clarence Thomas is. He's a disgrace to 300 years of black people's fight for equality and freedom. He is adverse to everything that we stand for that makes us a proud, noble people. Huh? I mean, I, I, you know, loving black people is hard, but loving some black people is even harder than that. Loving human beings is hard, just so we're clear. You follow what I'm saying? But loving some people, like Clarence Thomas... It's the hardest thing you ever do in your life. Clarence Thomas tests my Christianity. <laughs> he really does. He tests my salvation. You know, because I try not to condemn people, but he brings me right up to the line. And then I need grace and mercy to snatch me back. You know what I'm saying? Come on, talk to me if you know what I'm saying. Anyway, here's what I know for sure. History will not be kind to Clarence Thomas. And just so you know, from now on, neither will I. So anytime I mention him, you already know what's going to happen. He want to get rid of gay marriage, but he don't, but he, he don't want to touch interracial marriage. You old lying hypocrite. Let me move on before I, Derek, pray for my salvation, brother. Pray for me, man. Pray for me, Derek. Pray for me. All right, let's talk about Grubhub. So over the weekend, a 20-year-old woman used Grubhub to contact the police after she was allegedly held hostage in the Bronx. Here's the interesting thing. The, the unidentified woman agreed to met up, meet up rather, with a man she had previously been chatting with on a dating app. And she was allegedly assaulted by him and raped by the man. Now, before I move on, I just want to stop here and say this. Y'all be careful with these dating apps, okay? Because this woman got into this kind of trouble after she was talking to somebody on a dating app. And I just want to say, y'all be careful with these dating apps, okay? Because you don't know who you're talking to. You could be talking to a serial killer. Satan's nephew. You follow what I'm saying? Y'all be careful with meeting up with these people on these date naps. But let me keep going. According to the complaint, the man took the woman's phone, but she was able to retrieve her phone from the man after she asked the man if she could order some food. 
Well, then, you know, there you go. You, you, you hold a woman hostage. You, uh, you allegedly hold a woman hostage. You allegedly rape a woman. But you wanted to eat. <laughs> oh, my God. Did y'all hear what I just said? He allegedly held a woman hostage. He allegedly raped a woman. But he wanted her to have some food. Because you know what I'm saying. We can't have you starving. So she got the phone. And she ordered some Grubhub. And she wrote in the comment section, please call the police, but don't make it obvious. And when the man went to open the door, thinking it was going to be the Grubhub person, the police were there. And thankfully, they saved the woman from her attacker that she met on a dating app. Y'all be careful on the dating apps. And it just goes to show you, this is why I wanted to do this story. It just goes to show you that life will use anything to save you. Come on, say amen to that. Life will, use any, life will use Grubhub to save you because there's always life after death when there's more for you to do. And I'm a firm believer, man, that life will find a way. And that's why I'm always telling you to fight for your life, beloved. Fight for your life. Do not go down without a fight. Don't let nobody take you out without, getting, without you getting a few swings in. You know what I'm saying? I mean that metaphorically, but if you have to do it literally, then you follow your conscience. I'm just saying, you're not going to kidnap me and rape me without a fight. Well, there's going to be a fight, okay? I'm going to live. Sean McMillan wants to live, and I will use anything to make that happen. Grubhub, my shoe, you hear what I'm saying? I'm not, my sweater, I'm not going down without a fight. We're going to have a fight in here because I'm determined to live. And when you're determined to live, everything in the universe lines up with you to fight for your life. This woman, didn't, this woman didn't survive because of Grubhub. She survived because she wasn't ready to die. Well, I feel like throwing my shoe. <laughs> that got in my spirit. I feel, when you ain't ready to die, you just ain't ready to die. You hear me? And I, I've been in situations where I had to tell, I had to tell evil, I'm not going out. <laughs> today, today will not be my death day. And that's what this woman did. Shout out to this woman. And shout out to the Grubhub guy or woman who read the comments and called the police. Thank God that there are still good people in the world who care about what happens to other people and not just their tip. <laughs> you follow what I'm saying? It's an amazing thing. Here's what I want you to know from this story. That if you're in trouble and you're dealing with something and you're drowning in it, you are not alone in this. All you got to do is reach out, let somebody know, and good people will come to your aid and to your defense. Today will not be the day that you, you, you lose your life. Live. Can I quote some scripture to you? You shall not die, but you shall live and behold the beauty of the Lord in the land of the living. I feel churchy today. <laughs> it's on me, doc. I'm telling you, it's on me, doc. I'm sick, but I can fight. I can fight with this gospel, doc. Don't play with me. Don't, don't y'all. Derek, they playing with me, Derek. I ain't come to play. I came to I can't say it on the air. Anyway, let's talk about let's talk about Dimitrov Maritov. Dimitri rather Maritov. This is a good story because this test this tests my salvation too. So Russian journalist Dmitry Maritov, who won the Nobel Prize last year, auctioned his medal for over one hundred million dollars. With all the money being donated to help Ukrainian children who are now refugees. So all the money he raised. From the auction will go to the United Nations uh, Child Humanitarian uh, Fund in response to Ukrainian refugee children. Uh, and since February, you should know that over 5 million refugees from the Ukraine has been displaced all over Europe. 
And let me just say, I'm, I'm going to be honest, right? I'm going to be 100% transparent. Let me just say that Dimitri Maritov is a better man than me. I'm just going to raise my hand and admit it. Dimitri Maritov is a better man than me. Do you know why? If I won the Nobel Prize, you couldn't get that thing out of my cold, dead hand. I, I, I know that sounds horrible, but y'all know I tell the truth. If I want to know, I don't care how many refugees there were. I'm keeping my Nobel Prize. <laughs> Dimitri, Dimitri, Dimitri was like, look, I will be a better man than Sean McMillan. And he auctioned his prize. I'm not giving up my Nobel Prize. The devil is a lie. But I love this story because it shows me that there are still principled people in the world who care more about people than prizes. You know, I told y'all Dimitri, Dimitri was a better man than me. He cares more about people than he does prizes. I want a Nobel Prize so bad that I dream about it sometimes. It would be hard for me to get rid of my Nobel Prize. I'm just telling you, it would be so hard. Oh, Jesus would have to come down and sit on the edge of my bed and be like, Sean, you know you ain't right, right? That's what, that's what would have to happen. But anyway, with all the craziness going on in the world, we need people who have a moral compass. We need people who are clear about what is right and what the greater good happens to be. But here's my question. You ready for this? Because you thought I was going to like bear my soul and not, ha not make you have to bear yours. You forgot what show you were watching, huh? Here's my question for you. What would you be willing to give up to help people you don't know? Huh? What precious thing that you have would you be willing to give up to help people you don't know? Because that's what makes this story so interesting. Um, Mr. Maritov doesn't know any of these people, yet he was willing to give up his Nobel Prize to help them. So here's my question. What would you be willing to sacrifice that's precious to you so that something sacred can happen in somebody else's life? Because sometimes you have to be willing to give up something important in order to have something significant. And how willing would you be willing to do that for people you never met and don't know? It's one thing to sacrifice your Nobel Prize for people that you know. It's another thing to sacrifice your Nobel Prize for people you ain't never met. And what I want to know, since I've been honest the whole show, what would you be willing to give up to help people you don't know? You see, nothing special can, happen, can be had or happened without sacrificing something even more special than that. And so the next time you see people in trouble or the next time you see people in your family that need help, remember that in order to help them, it's going to take a sacrifice. You see, you can't help people without sacrificing. And before you put your hat in the ring to support somebody, be clear about this, the level of sacrifice you're willing to make. Because if you're not willing to give something important, nothing significant will ever happen. All right, here's my last one before I talk to my brother Derek. i got to get this one in fast. So in the latest iteration of Alexa from Amazon, um, they've kind of gone too far. I, I, I have an Alexa and uh, apparently the new Alexa, you can, uh, Alexa can now mimic any voice, including the voice of dead relatives. You hear that? Amazon has sort of made Alexa where Alexa can mimic anybody's voice. So now um, your grandmother can tell you the weather. So now you, you talk to Alexa and now you can hear your grandmother's voice, you know, dead relatives' voices. I think this is going a little too far, Okay. Because I think it depends on what, you, what you're asking Alexa. Now, if you're, if you're asking Alexa what time it is, then fine. You know, you can have your grandmother's voice tell you that. But if you're asking Alexa something sexual, 
<laughs> looking up looking up something, you know, that that ain't, you know what I'm saying? I don't want my grandmother's voice answering that question. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying I ask Alexa sexual questions. I'm just saying some people do. And in the event that you ask Alexa some questions that are, you know, a little, little, little seedy and out the box, I don't want my grandfather's voice answering me back. You know, Alexa, what is teabagging? No, I don't want, I don't want grandma answering that. You know what I'm saying unto you? <laughs> no, 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 no. I want a generic white woman's voice for that. Okay? But let me say this before I take this break. I think Amazon should stop worrying about giving Alexa people's voices and make Alexa a better product. Because half the questions I ask Alexa, she don't give me the right answers. Half the time when I ask Alexa a question, I wish I had Googled it. So I'm like, Alexa, that ain't what I asked you. Which brings me to the last point here. I spend most of my time telling Alexa to shut up. I don't want to say shut up to my grandmother's voice after she done gave me the wrong answer. You know what I'm saying? So how about we leave the voices of dead relatives out of this and you all make a better product so that I can be happy about the fact that I asked you a question to begin with. That's all I got for headlines tonight. Anyway, we'll be back with my brother Derek and a love scenario that's going to make you sit up in your seat and make your big toe shoot up in your boot. <laughs> and then we're going to do some Ask Dr. Sean. Get yourself some coffee. Somebody bring me some tea. Food poisoning, people. It's the devil. But I'm fighting for my life. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back, everybody. You guys know that I am thoroughly preoccupied with love. It's my favorite subject. I love talking about love. Love is wonderful. Love will also drive you to drinking, and a pursuit of love can be as difficult as the actual experience of love itself. My dear brother Derek is here tonight because he has a very interesting dilemma. One that I want you to hear and one that I want you to learn from. Now, your journey may not be his journey, but we can find wisdom in his. So how about we learn together? Welcome to the show tonight, Derek. What's up, Derek? You know the song? Thank, hey, man, thank you for coming on and thank you for, you know, supporting me through, through my illness. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm so sorry to hear about your food poison, man. What, you got to let us know what it was at some point <laughs> on or off camera. Yeah, I can't, so tell you, I, I can't tell you on camera, but I'll tell you off. Okay? I promise to tell you off. <laughs> so let's get into it. All right. Let's get into it because I think people are going to be shocked and amazed um, because you break many stereotypes. And that's why that's why I'm excited that you're here tonight. So I'm going to ask you a question. Um, and then I'm going to ask you a follow-up question that's going to blow people's mind. Because they just heard you speak. They see you on camera, right? And so, let's get into it. You identify as masculine, right? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about why that's the case in a second. But, but, but tell me what that means when you say you identify as masculine. Well, I mean, I guess, you know, society is the one who um, labels us, right? Uh, but when I think about... Um, Machism, machismo, you know, men, you know, as far as, uh, you know, growing up, you know, looking at superheroes and, you know, having all the muscles and all that type of stuff and being able to save the world. You know, I've just identified I've I've identified that as being like more of a masculine type of individual male, per se. OK, now now here's the here's the reason why that's interesting, because you are also a member of the LGBTQ community. Is that right? 
Yes. Yes. And and that's the part that's going to, that's the part where people watching right now, a few people fell out their chairs. Some people <laughs> dropped their drinks, right? Some people dropped their weed on their laps. They were, they were smoking <laughs> everything. And now they got weed all over their lap. Because you, you, you are not stereotypically, right? Someone, if someone looked at you or heard you talk, they would not stereotypically, stereotypically rather, identify you as a member of the gay community. So when I say that, is that something you've heard before? Yeah, oftentimes. I mean, if you will, to equate it kind of to the uh, cultural culturalism, um, of, uh, it's kind of like passing as straight as people might identify as it. And I don't do it intentionally. I am just who I am. I'm Derek. I, you know, I think I'm a walking contradiction. I always tell people I'm I'm black, I'm gay, I'm Christian, I'm a Democrat. I have, you know, I believe have some Republican views, probably identify more as an independent. Um, I'm just a walking contradiction. So I'm more than what meets the eye. I stand about 6'3", 240 pounds on top of that. So, uh, you know, I, I do fill up a room when I walk in. Yeah, and, and what I love about you is that you defy um, common conceptions. And, and, and you, you, you remind us, um, and this is true for straight folks too, that gay folks come in many stripes and colors and sizes and hues and affectations, right? There is no one way to be gay. There's no one way to be straight. There's no one way to be black. There's no one way to be male. Um, when I say that, I see, I see in your face that it connects with you. Talk to that. Talk to that. What are you feeling right now? I often say I'm too straight to be gay and too gay to be straight. And what I mean by that is, is I, I'm just Derek. I have gay friends, straight friends. I had I, I don't grow up with uh, creating spaces in my life that doesn't allow me to interact or engage with people. And so my mother, even at an early age, and my parents never made me identify as 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 boy or girl or anything. I had boy, I had friends that were boys that I played with, and we played with GI Joes. I had girl friends that were girls that played with My Little Ponies. If I asked for GI Joe, I got GI Joe. If I asked for My Little Pony, I got a My Little Pony. And you know what? Uh, I think about it now. People are going to ridicule me after this, but it doesn't matter anymore because I'm, I'm very confident who I am. But even my family, my brothers, I don't remember. They either must have protected me from the world, but I never had gotten judged in that space, you know. Uh, and so I'll carry that on into everything that I do today. Is I'm not gay. I mean, I'm not a label. I'm just Derek. What you perceive is what you see is what you get. You know, I hear in your voice how much it, it means to you when you think about the protection that they gave to you. Talk about that, because I heard it in your voice. I heard, I, I heard the emotion. Let, let that out. Talk to me about that, because people need to see that. Yeah, I have, um, I have two brothers that are old, four or five years older than me, and you talk about black male love and brotherly love. I mean, if there was a book on it, I, I couldn't, I mean, I, I don't, I think we would, we would surprise the book on how much we grew up together and loved each other and protect each other no matter what. And they are today, my mentors, my heroes, I'm the, I'm their, uh, you know, I have 10 nieces and nephews as a result of them. So I act as their acting father, but we act as one, one unit. And, um, you know, it was it was tough being the youngest of three boys having to come out and saying I was who I am, but I also know that I I introduced them to a world to understand that there's no television makes us see gay people in certain ways sometimes, and there's no representation of somebody who's confident like myself who's just you know who who I am and living in my life. 
And so I remember when my brother finally came, one of my brothers finally came around and we went out to, we went out to Vegas and we had a brother's trip and we, I mean, we went, you know, we did the whole Vegas thing, just chill, just rocked out. Right. And then, you know, women would still come up to me and try to hug up on me and I don't push them off. You know, you just kind of engage. I just not engage. And so my brother, you know, after they come up with a resolve, he said, he sat back and we were drinking a little bit. He says, I hope I can say this. You're the coolest faggot I know, right? Very derogatory terms should not be used, right? That's not, but I, I say that in just, I say that in the sense of the sensitivity of how heavy this situation can be and straight people not really knowing how to identify with that, but being able to be there to intercept that perception of how we engage. And I was able to show them that I'm not what you see on TV, which is not bad. If somebody identifies with putting on heels and being more like a woman, that's fine. If I, but you know, if I choose to be this person who I am today, that's who I am, you know, and that's, and that's, and I, and I just want to make sure people understand that people like me do exist in that space. Well, I, I, I think that's important to say that you're not on tonight saying that's a, a feminine gay man. Is anything wrong with that? Um, that being a femme, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Nothing at all. There's no, I, 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 there's nothing at all how people identify. Everybody it, has a. It's you, just yes. not you. It's just not you. It's just not me. Right. I right. got. I got. It. So, so you mentioned women. So I want to ask you this. Have so have you ever dated women? Oh yes. Yeah. I I, I passed. I passed it straight for most of my teenage and up to mid twenties. Uh, so yes, I had a girlfriend in high school, um, college. Um, and then I came to a point where I finally came, when I came out to my family, I dated, I, I came out as bisexual because it was kind of like a transition. <laughs> like get, get, even in 2005, just to say you were gay was going to be like overwhelming. So I was like, well, I'm bisexual, which I was. And so I um, I still dated women, but I would tell the women because I also wanted to, I, I, my, I believe truth breeds truth. And in that space, I talked a lot about um, making sure they knew who I was. And I didn't have any issues with that. You know, the women didn't have any issues. We dated. But then I ended up meeting the, kind of the, at the time, I thought the man of my life, my man of my dreams. And, you know, me and him dated for seven and a half, seven and a half years. And uh, we were engaged, proposed to me on the Eiffel Tower, uh, you know, but we broke up six months before the wedding. So, you know, and I think that's where I kind of just transitioned and turned, you know, I said I'm gay. At now that point now we're 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 gonna come back to that Eiffel Tower six months thing in a second, all right? Because I we got to come back to that. But 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 I, the, the two things I want to say to you prior to that. The first thing is this: um, I'm glad to hear that you told the women once you identified as bi, bisexual that you told the women. I think that is so important, you know that that we that we don't deceive people. And so I, so, so shout out to you for that because I know there's a lot of women watching. You know who who go ahead you want to you want to go ahead i see i'm so sorry because this is so important because i have nieces and i told my nieces this i said and then this is one thing i encountered when i was dating black women before i came out was they would tell me oh if my it was dl time if my dude was dl my daddy would kick his ass my daddy i'm like i'm sitting like well you don't really know right and so of course that'll make me comfortable to say it and then there's times where then, then i did date a white girl at one point in time and when i dated the white girl it was easy to have a conversation with her about it and we we moved on from it. So that stifles sometimes the communication. But I told my nieces, I said, don't ever like stir, just listen. Don't stir up your face and hear somebody gay. Let them tell you and then you decide if you want to be engaged in that situation. I said, I want you to know there's people out there like me who may not, but they may not tell you. And I want you to be protected at all times. And, I, and I, I felt a need for that 
because they're black women. No, I, I agree with you. I, I think giving people the room to be honesty, encourage to be honest rather, encourages people to be honest with you. Um, but but I got I got I got one question for you before we take this break. Um, and I feel like and you ask I feel like I can ask you this question, and I feel like it's going to be a very interesting answer. So you discovered sometime in high school or college, you said, uh, how did you know or when did you know you were gay? Don't don't know. I mean, you, it's, a, it's a hard question because um, I just knew I had feelings at an early age um, and I had some experiences. And but I also knew that I was the youngest of three boys in this society of masculine men that I just had to play play sports and like. I knew I couldn't be with a guy. So, you know, so I forced myself to like women, you mm. know? So it, it really is, I just, I don't no, think no, hold, I mean, hold, when, Derek, hold on. When you said that something, something came over your face. So to stay there for a second, knowing that, knowing that you had to force yourself to like women, but what is the, what, what is the feeling that's coming up when you say that? I mean, the, that was if if it feels uh it feels heavy it feels uh, uh claustrophobic it feels very restraining um and i just defy all, I, I don't offer i defy all odds when it comes to overcoming boundaries like that like i don't that doesn't make me feel comfortable when i have to be put in, in, in a box but, but what, what, I'm, what i'm sensing tonight is that you even thinking back on that brings up emotion for you thinking mm-hmm. back on that stage of your life brings up emotion for you what, 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 what emotion does it bring up for you thinking back at that stage of your life when you were not as free and as liberated as you are now? Mm. Confusion is the first word that comes up, come to mind. Uh, that's not emotion. Um, I guess mad. I guess mad. Mm. Mad. Yeah, yeah, mad, mad, mad. Because it wasn't until I was 25 that I was able to come out, and that's a quarter of my life gone. Mm. Mm. Right? So, you know, and, you know, and again, my family was very open and it just allowed me to identify, I mean, you know, be who I was. I didn't know about identifying as gay or straight at the time, but I, I just felt like the world, not my family, but the world made me feel like I had to be in these certain spaces as a black male. Yeah. Listen, I, I got to take this break. When we come back, I want to talk about the relationship you want to have now and, and, and the one that you want to find. And, and we're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think through your criteria for that, okay? Um, because I think you deserve love, but I want to make sure you're choosing based upon some realistic and healthy criteria okay as i as i work with Derek on this i'm also working with you because you know love is love right and we're all choosing based upon criteria some of it makes sense and some of it don't we'll figure out which one we're dealing with tonight right after this we're right talking to my brother Derek. so Derek, let's get into this okay so you're looking for uh, a partner you're looking for someone to love someone to be there for you you know you know to hold your hand Someone you can give some of them flowers to I see behind you. All right. So so tell me, this is an interesting question. Um, tell me why you want to be in a relationship. Um, 
I, I want I want to share this life with something. I want to build a legacy. Uh, you know, I think the, the re harsh reality for me coming out and realizing, recognizing it as being identified as a gay black male is the concept of family was something that I always cherished and wanted to have. And so um, that won't come naturally uh, for me uh, because of how I identify. Uh, however, you know, I'm looking to, you know, partner with some one uh, partnership so that I can grow together with them and we can build a legacy together, um, you know, with a child. Um, yeah, and I, I just I just have so much love to share that, you know, I just really want to, you know, share my experiences. I, I need something at, you know, at night, you know, or during the day or whatever, through the work weekends and all the things that I do, you know, I just want somebody that I can, you know, be upfront, honest with and trust and, and, and just share my space with. I love it. So, so what kind of person are you looking for? Um, you know, I want someone to, I want somebody that knows how to take control, but knows how to allow somebody to take control. I want somebody that understands the balance between, you know, um, you know, again, I, I call it the alpha energy. You know, I'm, 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 you know, I'm just, again, I'm just Derek. So, you know, however, whatever goes down in the bedroom or should not, you know, dictate how people engage in their relationship life, right? Like, so, um, you know, being submissive or dominant, like, got to know when to flex. Uh, I think that was one of the most successful parts of my past relationship was that we knew how to flex and there was no, there was, there was no, no fighting for, you know, attention in certain areas. We knew how to balance each other out. And I think that's just what I'm looking for as well, too, in this situation is just, you know, somebody that's willing to, you know, take control, but know how to allow me to take control when it's time to take control. Okay, so I'm going to decode that for everybody watching because who may not get the code that you're using right now. So you're, what I hear you saying is that you, you want another masculine person. Did I get that part right? Uh-huh. Okay, but you also want another masculine person who is, let us say, versatile um, in matters of the bedroom. Did I get that right? My niece, my niece was watching. <laughs> But yes, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I see. I just said versatile. I didn't go into any detail. I just said versatile. Okay, good, good, good. No, I'm, I'm just trying to make sure I got it right. All right. So, so what? What are your red flags or deal breakers? Uh, people who are very who are inconsistent or, or don't follow through. I mean, you know, for me, it is you know whether or not you're going to text or call or say we're going to meet somewhere or say a time. Like you know, like I said, take control of that and like you know be be committed to that and you know just just reneging to me is just the most unattractive thing and you know um yeah that's 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 it for me for red flags mm -hmm. do you have any deal breakers to some things that you know he's gotta have gotta do gotta think um no i mean it's just gotta be flexible it's just gotta be flexible okay you and you in the flexibility that's for sure that's, <laughs> I'm clear about the fact that Derek likes people who are flexible. Okay, all right. So, so let, let, let me let me ask you a, let me ask you a, a self-critical a question that's more self-critical, right? Um, okay. And, th and think about this: Why do you think you're single? Um, but by, by choice. I mean, I, I feel like um. I, one reason why I know why I'm single is that I, I have put up a barrier over my heart. I lost my mother uh, seven years ago. Two years after that, I lost my partner. My partner and I split up after seven and a half years. 
So my heart's very has been very guarded. And so um, any sign of discourse or going against the grain on anything, I mean, I give everybody 100% trust, but it, but you get 99.9, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to close back up. 99.98, you know, uh, and so I, that allows me to pull away. So I think I pull my, pull myself away from people, you know, a lot quicker, quicker than usual. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm scared of being vulnerable again to be able, cause I'm, you know, I don't, I want to protect the heart. Mm. But you do know that love requires vulnerability. Yes. Mm. Mm. So how, 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 how are you going to negotiate that? Because the only way to be with someone is to be vulnerable. And yet you are. Definitely, it seems like you are definitely afraid of being hurt again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, I'm. 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 I, that's that's what I'm open to. I mean, in my you know most recent dating experiences, I've been very open about you know some of the things that I've been challenged with, and those individuals have been open to have those conversations and really talk through that and really trying to establish, you know, a good conversation and putting sex aside first, like, like, just like, just getting to know each other. And I I think, you know, for me, that's been very important because, you know, a lot of times when you start having sex, sex kind of just messes all everything, throw everything off the rocker, right? You can't really, you can't take the emotion out of it at that point in time. So um, I've, I've, I've I've met some people that I've been able to have those vulnerable conversations with and being open and honest about how I feel. And, you know, again, as I told earlier, truth breeds truth. And I start hearing, you know, what what other people's hesitations are, you know, and then that's when you start trying to that that soft starts being made around trying to mix, you know, see if this is a good mix or not. Listen, I'm, I'm out of time, but, but I have I do have some advice for you. And I think the way you negotiate or navigate your way through. Being vulnerable and also wanting to protect yourself is you go back to how this conversation between you and I started. You are a man, you are strong, and you are masculine, and you need to trust who you are, even as you are vulnerable. You exposing yourself and allowing someone in, if they do something to hurt you, you are strong enough, you are man enough to overcome it. There's Mm -hmm. nothing that someone can do to you that you can't heal from. Mm -hmm. There's nothing someone can say to you that you can't completely sore beyond i think the way the way you negotiate this is that you trust who you are and that you are reminded that you don't need to protect yourself you don't need to defend yourself against something that you have the strength enough to overcome Mm -hmm. The, the, the apostle paul puts it this way for we are more than conquerors that's what you are you're more than a conqueror and i think i think the way you handle it is you open yourself up for love. You open yourself up to be vulnerable and let people in. You, you, I love what you said tonight. Truth reads truth. You tell people the truth, and they're more likely to tell, tell you their truth. And if someone does something that violates, that hurts, then you say to yourself going forward, I've already climbed mountains. I've already survived valleys. I've come through storms. I've come through the rain. And if I can handle that, I can handle this little thing you just tried to do. Trust yourself and let love in. You got that? 100. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. When yeah. I said when I said that, yeah, I, I, you felt that. You did you feel I that? I did. I yeah. did. I did. I did. No, it's a. Uh, I, I haven't given myself that permission. Mm. And I, I so I pray tonight 
that, that you begin to do that. And that whatever you just felt, that you summon that feeling and remember that feeling going forward. I can handle anything you throw at me. If you work out, I can handle it. And if you don't work out, I've been there before and I can handle this too. Good stuff. My work here is done, people. <laughs> Thank yeah. you for coming on, Derek. <laughs> Listen, man. No way. I got it. Where's the man? I, I thought I was going to get a man out of this. <laughs> no comment, Derek. <laughs> Let's go. Highly go to the break. Right now. Welcome back, everybody. So, I, you know, I'm praying for Derek. I'm praying that he will find the man of his dreams. But I'm also glad tonight to know that he is aware of what parts of him happen to be getting in the way. So a lot of times when we're single, we're not single for no reason. We're not single because there's no good men or good women out there. You know how we like to say, there's nobody good out there. There are a lot of bad people out there, but there are a lot of good people out there too. A lot of the times there's parts of us getting in the way. And the moment we acknowledge that and work to fix that and learn how to move beyond that, that's when love happens. That's when people can actually come into our lives. Before you blame it on the rest of the world, although in some part the rest of the world may be culpable for your singleness, I invite you to look at yourself and to say, what parts of me, what am I doing that keeps me in a position I don't want to be in? For him, for Derek, it was fear of vulnerability. I don't know what it is for you, but I'm sure it's something. And the moment you address it, the sooner you'll be all caught up in love. All right. Let's do some Ask Dr. Sean. Play the bumper, Hiley. You guys always send me wonderful videos, interesting videos, too. And this one is no different. Let's take a look at it. Hi, Dr. Sean. My name is Alexis, and I need your advice. I have a friend who is continuously being cheated on. What type of information would you give me to give to her? To respect herself, to love herself, to believe that she's better than someone who is continually cheating on her, to ask herself, why is that okay? Why is it okay for you to allow someone to disrespect you without any regard to what it's doing to you? The advice that you can give to your friend is that if he's not going to love you, then it's your job to do it. If he's not going to respect you, then that's your job. And you can't blame him for what you keep giving him permission to do. The first time somebody does something, you know, shame on them. But the 14th time that they do it, it's shame on you. Now, you sitting there taking it. I'm not suggesting that you beat up on her or anything. I'm suggesting that you hit her with the hard, cold truth. And that is, my dear sister, you are not a victim at this point. You are a volunteer. You raising your hand and accepting this behavior. Why are you doing that? What is broken in you? What is wounded in you? What is dead or dying in you? What has the world done to you? Here's the question you ask her. What happened to you? What happened to you that allows this to be okay? Because that's where the problem is. And that's where the situation finds its most incoherence. Because whatever she's allowing him to do happened to her long before he did it. She's living with a deep and, 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 and a pervasive hurt, a dangerous self-perception that does not empower her to believe that she deserves something better. She doesn't feel like she's worthy to be respected and honored and to be cared for. And that's the real problem. What he's doing is just symptomatic of what's already happening in her. He's cheating on her 
but she's already cheating on herself. And you and your friend, you have to help her either find some professional help or to really reimagine her life. Or how about this, to tell her real story. That's the gift you can give to her as a friend, is to empower her, to give her a space to tell her real story. Because I promise you, there's a story behind this. And the story has nothing to do with him. It has everything to do with all the things she had to go through and survive long before he showed up. I wish you well on this, and I'm definitely going to be praying for both of you because, whew, that is just a terrible situation. My heart goes out to her um, because I just think people deserve to be treated better. And it's so horrible that we run into narcissists, right? This guy's a narcissist. He has no, he has no concern or no care for how what he's doing is doing, how, how, how what he's doing is, is turning her into and making her feel. That's a narcissist. Yeah. So... Hey, you, my sister who sent me the video, you make sure you learn the lesson, okay? Watch out for narcissists and selfish people because they just do whatever they want to do and they could care less about what it's doing to you. All right, I'm running out of time. Let me read, let me read this question and I'll answer on the other side. I am a minister at my church. My pastor recently preached about Roe versus Wade and said he agrees with the court decision. He also said that it's unchristian to have an abortion. I had an abortion, and I know that it was the right decision for me. And I don't think he has the right to preach this message on, from the pulpit. Should I tell him that I disagree with him? All right, we'll answer this question on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere because you can't wait to hear this answer. I'm telling you, it's going to be a good one. We'll be right back. Before I answer this question, let me tell you all what just happened in here. You know, I'm suffering from food poison recovery, dehydrated. I asked Steve, I said, Steve, would you drive me home? He said no. This marriage is over. <laughs> how are you not gonna drive me home? I would drive you home. Let me get to this question. You see how people are? Narcissists. Anyway, here's the question that we read it again before we took the break. I read it before, but let me go over it again. I'm a, I'm a minister at my church. My pastor recently preached about Roe versus Wade and said he agrees with the court decision. He also said that it's unchristian to have an abortion. I've had an abortion. I know there was the right decision for me. I didn't, think he were, he, I, didn't, I didn't think he had the right to preach this message from the pulpit. Should I tell him that I disagree with him? Well, first let me say, he does have the right to preach that message from the pulpit. You also have the right not to agree with it. That's just what he believes. I don't know why people turn pastors into Jesus. He's just a pastor. He's just a guy with an opinion. His opinion ain't law. His opinion ain't spiritually bounding, binding rather. There's no ontological import on what he says. There's no eschatological, you know, deduction to be made from what he, he's preaching. He has the right to say whatever he wants to say. You have the right to disagree with him and to think that he's wrong. Now, here's where he's wrong. It's not unchristian to have an abortion. Abortion ain't in the Bible. Show me one passage in the Bible where the term abortion appears. And just, just so we're clear, some of y'all may not like what I'm about to say, there's a lot of killing babies in the Bible. In fact, since, since, since y'all, some of y'all want to act funny, go back and read 1 Samuel where King Saul lost the crown to David because he didn't kill children. You didn't see that coming, did you? Killing babies is, is, a, is, a, is in biblical narrative. And a king lost his crown because he was supposed to kill everything in the, in the country. Women and children, and Saul wouldn't do it. 
He lost. So don't tell me killing babies. That's in the Bible. Killing, killing babies is in the Bible. You didn't see that coming, did you? I'm just saying. There's nothing unchristian about having an abortion. And I'm sick of men who don't have who don't who, men who don't have a uterus telling women who do what they should do with their uterus. You don't have a uterus, sir. You ain't got no fallopian tubes. You ain't got no eggs. I don't want to go any further than that because this is a daytime show. But you ain't got none of that. You ain't got none of the infrastructure that qualifies you to have an opinion. No, it's unchristian to have an abortion. What are you talking about? I disagree with, your, with the pastor on that. Now, here's what you can do. You can ignore him. I think you should say to him that you disagree, but also be prepared for the fact that he's probably going to have a major problem with your disagreement. But I don't think you need to take this further than it needs to go, and that is, you know, you two disagree. Who said that you and the pastor have to agree on everything? You don't have to agree on everything. You two disagree on this. He's against abortion. You're pro-abortion. You've had one. His truth is not your reality. or His opinion is not your faith. So how about both of y'all keep it moving? But he does have the right to say what he wants to say. And you have the right to believe what you want to believe and to ignore everything he's saying. This is what I invite you to do. All right, let's take a look at this video sent in to me by Dom. Let's look at it. Hey, Dr. Sean, my name is Dom. What are some tips in communicating better in my relationship? Dom, I mean, you didn't give me enough information to be able to answer that question adequately. Um, but I'll give you some based upon the limited information you gave me. Uh, and it, it goes back to my conversation with Derek tonight. And Derek talked a lot about honesty. And I really believe in honesty. I believe that lying to people is a good recipe to destroy whatever it is you're trying to build with them. Truth is the basic, the most basic predicate for having a future with someone. Okay? And learning how to be truthful and how to allow people the space to be truthful with you will probably make your relationship have longevity and success beyond anything else. The other thing I would invite you to do is to really learn how to listen to each other and not punish each other for communicating how you really feel. Because the moment you punish somebody from being honest with you and telling you how they feel is the moment they stop telling you. They start dressing it up. They start packaging it in a way that you can accept it and you won't really get, get what they honestly believe or are saying. Never punish people for being honest with you and always give people the room they need to communicate and learn how they communicate so that you can hear them and they can feel like they're being heard. Half the time people get in trouble in relationships or they have conflict because the people that they're talking to don't feel like they're being heard. And a part of that means that you have to learn how to listen without trying to respond to what you're hearing. You see, most people... They listen to respond. Just listen to listen. You don't have to respond. You don't have to agree. You don't have to see it the way they see it. Your main job is to make people feel like they've been heard. So be honest. Don't punish people for being honest with you. Communicate with people in a way that they can hear and understand. And learn how to listen, not to respond, but just to listen. So that the person that you're loving can feel like they've been heard. Okay? You do those things, I bet you have a great relationship. Thank you for watching tonight. Thank Derek for being on. Thank you all of you who are praying for me. Unlike this guy over here, 
You guys want me to be healthy and well. Y'all be good to each other, right? And guess what? I love you.